When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Sleepers and Keepers Fantasy Hockey Podcast, part of the Hockey News Podcast Network. As always, I'm your co-host, Jason Chen in Vancouver. Joining me is Mike Amato in Toronto. How's it going? It's going, Jason. How are you? Good, good. Are you feeling better now that the Leafs are winning? Yeah, longest winning streak in 20 years. I don't... Uh, I don't <laughs> 5-0 reco- without Morgan Riley. I don't recognize this team. Uh, they're, beating, they're beating bad teams. They're beating good teams. It's so confusing. Uh, yeah, yeah so, they look good. Juggled the lines. Mm-hmm. Bobby McMahon, uh, folk hero in Toronto now. <laughs> but anyway, so Connor Producer got mad at us because we talked about pizza and hot dogs too much in the last episode. So we're going to just jump right in. I just want to highlight some on-fire players last week. uh, Jared McCann, seven points last week. Nazem Kadri, four goals and six points. Troy Terry continues to be under-rostered, six points last week. Dylan Strome uh, playing top line for the Capitals, six points for him. Shea Theodore is back, five assists in three games. And Bobby McMahon, of course, we just mentioned him, four points in uh, how many games it was? Three or four? I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, those guys are. I think Kadri to me is the one that stands out the most. He's had like a steady climb since like a little bit of a slow start, mm-hmm. and uh, the Flames are kind of scrappy. Like they are. They're still in it. I can't yeah. believe it, but they're still in it. Like all these trade rumors. Like they're still. Markstrom's still playing really well. Mm-hmm. Um, Hannafin's still, still there. Yeah, they're still playing those guys a lot. Like it's kind of interesting. We saw. Something that affected fantasy last year was that like players sitting out while they were like waiting for a trade. And I was wondering if like Markstrom would get to this point or Hannafin because it seems like those guys are destined to be moved. But that's a good point, on. actually. Yeah. Yeah. Those things came out of nowhere. Some guys like I think it was Gavrikov last year. It felt like he missed yep. like almost two weeks. Not that he's like a huge fantasy relevant player. But yeah, we saw a lot of that last year. Not so much yet, but maybe we'll see more of that as we get closer to the deadline. We're two weeks away. Like it's, it's yeah. pretty cool approaching pretty quickly i think we're waiting for the first domino to fall like the first major one yeah and i think all the other trades will probably happen in rapid fire yeah. um minnesota wild they're on fire again they're back in the playoff race joel erickson egg kirill kaprizov and matt boldy all on fire i love that line uh i'm super happy that john hines finally put those guys together i know they've been together for a while now but like the thing with dean evison is he was it was always kaprizov Hartman and Zuccarello and it just felt like that and that line wasn't bad but it just felt like Boldy and Erickson Eck like they weren't maximizing them and now that like those guys are playing with Kaprizov they look really really dangerous I watched the game uh, against the Oilers on Friday like they were all over them they had the puck so much like actually Erickson Eck uh hopefully he's okay yeah I think he I think he is I, I saw something that um Hines said he should be fine, and all these Minnesota Wild fans were like, should? Should's not the same <laughs> as is. They were, like, panicking, but I was panicking, too, because that guy is, like, the game he had this week 
against the Canucks. That was like mm. that's an all-time fantasy uh game, an, an all-time like score sheet game. Like I like to see that compared up up to the best games. Like I'm talking about category coverage, like three yeah, goals, sure. three assists, like a bunch of hits, penalty minutes, like he was everywhere. But yeah, the wild are really rolling. I mentioned this on another podcast I was on, but Joel Erickson Eck is in the conversation to be a top 10 multi-category center next year. Yeah. Like I was, I think I mentioned this earlier in the year. Like I'm, I'm having a hard time. We can only keep four players and he's probably yeah, like you my, mentioned this. my fifth guy. And I'm like, do I keep him ahead of like a Stutzla? Like I, I can't, I have to keep Pedersen. I have to keep Hughes. Like Evan Bouchard is probably a keeper, but like, man, how can I let Erickson that go? Like, I'm just petrified that someone else will take him. <laughs> someone definitely will, but that's a good problem to have. Yeah. Uh, some players that are not doing so well uh, didn't have a great week. The Marchment Duchesne Sagan line. Marchment's obviously cold or uh, hot streak has clearly ended. Tyler Sagan's hurt, probably not for a long time though. But I was very curious about Steven Stamkos. Zero points, minus two, and averaging less than 17 minutes per game. What's your take on Stamkos? Yeah, I think it's not, you know, he's not clicking the way he once was, obviously getting a little older. I wonder if, like, the contract, the lack of a contract is kind of, him. yeah, playing on him a little bit. And it's kind of weird because Kucherov um, has been so dominant, right? Like, you you'd think mm-hmm. Stamkos would... Have a little bit better number, especially on that power play. But other guys have stepped up too, right? Like Brandon Hagel has been really yeah. good. Um, Nick Paul's point. been good. Yeah. And I know they bumped up um, Sorelli there to the top line for a couple of games. Um, so they've been juggling the lines a lot. Yeah. I don't know. Sam Coast, I've kind of faded a little bit in fantasy the last couple of years. I just don't see him as being sort of as dominant as he once was or as he was a yep. few years ago for me. I wonder if he's going to be a guy that drops a lot more than you think next year. Yeah, I think he, I think he definitely will. Like someone like Ovechkin is going to drop, but I think like Stamkos will actually drop like another full tier. Like I think he, you mm-hmm. might be able to get Stamkos in like the seventh round or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, especially if he goes to another team and he's no longer really the centerpiece of their power play or their offense. Yeah, like I can't, I can't see him going. Like if he's going to go, then like they almost have to trade him don't they and get something for him like how they not, not when they're in the playoffs i know but how like a, t- a team like that that's desperate for like more talent more depth more young assets like how can they just let a guy like sam Coast walk it seems so weird when like it doesn't feel like they're really i mean i could be wrong they have a lot of talent but it doesn't feel like they're really like a cup contender this year like they're probably going to be a no they're not team yeah. right so like to me to use stamp as like an own rental seems weird but i kind of feel like he might be back but i don't know we will see well the, i i feel like they're like kind of late stage boston or late stage pittsburgh where they yeah. just kind of have to go for it because they have too many good players to really bottom out and you owe it to these guys to just go for it every year because it's still a very talented yeah. team yeah when you have like kucherov might win the heart trophy and mm-hmm. then you have you know, Vasilevsky there, you're always kind of in it. So yeah, it makes sense. Um, We'll get to, you Noah Hannafin in a bit, because he ties into the lightning, but Joey Wool did his rehab assignment with the Marlies looked very good. What's Toronto going to do when he returns? So by the way, they got Yarnkart coming back and Giordano coming back too. So they got plenty of roster moves to make. Yeah, Giordano. Yeah. It's going to be interesting what happens there, especially with the deadline coming up. Like I feel like Giordano could, be the odd man out 
s pretty soon I, there. Um, I feel like he should be. Yeah, he, he probably will be. Actually, I think they're going to trade for a defenseman. Um, but anyways, I think Wool, the Wool that's coming back is probably not the one that people put on IR back uh, when he got injured because I think you're getting someone that's probably going to be more of in a backup role to start. Um, you know, when he went down, he was like the un kind of unchallenged starter, number one goalie for a good regular season team, which is what you want in fantasy. Mm -hmm. But now I feel like Samsung's playing so well, the team's playing so well, they're not just going to let Wool start like 60, 70% of the games. Like it's just not going to happen. I think best case scenario now, if you have Wool, he kind of recaptures the form he has and maybe gets into like a 50-50 split at this point. I feel like it's going to be Samson off Wool. Yeah. And Martin Jones would be odd man out, but I agree with you. That rotation looks sketchy because if Samsonov plays well you got to pick your spot you can't just throw in wool and just be like hey let's see what he does when that Samsonov is really hot and stewing on the bench it doesn't really help anyone yeah like Samsonov could easily struggle a bit again but he just went through like a pretty good stretch here of playing well so mm -hmm. I feel like he's kind of figured it out but mm -hmm. they'll need two goalies down the stretch um you know I I, I think they're also going to challenge each other to see who like starts in the playoffs like that'll mm -hmm. be a different thing but yeah, we'll see. I, I just think I'd be a little bit worried if I was banking on like Wool coming back and kind of salvaging my season or like pushing my team to the fantasy playoffs because I don't know like how much he's actually going to play down the stretch here. Right. So as we enter week 20, uh, we're gearing up for the fantasy playoffs, which is nice because it's crunch time. These are always really fun weeks. Uh, just note, uh, New Jersey has a pretty good schedule coming up. They're going through California, so they play the Ducks, the Sharks, and the Kings. The Kings might be the only tough one because it looks like they're turning it around. And if you're looking for teams on off days, the Devils are playing Friday and Sunday, along with the Ducks, the Coyotes, and the Capitals. So maybe those are the teams you want to pay attention to. Um, how are you feeling with the, the Devils right now, though? They're still struggling. Not great. Uh, <laughs> Jack Hughes... <laughs> One shot today as we record this on Sunday um, kind of sunk me. I know he had a big game against the Rangers, um, but he does not quite look like himself. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. Lindy Ruff said he's, he's still not 100%. So that's unfortunate. But yeah, the Devils seem like a team that's really disjointed. I was talking about they had a pretty big game uh, Sunday against Tampa. Basically, mm -hmm. the team they're trying to catch for the wild card, and they put up three shots in the third. They don't look good overall. Um, a lot of their their forwards look disjointed to me. They're not getting pucks on net. Um, you know, I'm the most concerned about Hughes at this point because I feel like, you know, he was so dominant to start the year and now he's just looks like he's just like, still a good player. But man, like if you were counting on him for that elite production earlier in the year, like it doesn't look like you're going to get it down the stretch here. And they, they clearly need, uh, they need a goalie too, obviously. I'm in a keeper league. I'm in, the, I'm in third place, and I'm trying to get to second. And I'm kind of glad I traded Jack Hughes. So yeah, like like if I guess like long, next year it could be a different story if he's yeah, healthy. Sure. But but this year, yeah, like it's hard. I think it's hard to come back from two somewhat significant injuries in one year. From, from like a fantasy standpoint, it's just hard to get back on track, get the rhythm back. Um, it's, Especially it's when your wingers are hurt too. Yeah, like they've had a lot of injuries there. Like Dougie, I think they really miss Dougie Hamilton. It's one of the things that like not a lot of people are talking about, but their defense looks a, a little bit thin without him. And he kind of like helps move the puck up the ice a lot. So I think that that really hurts them there. But they they don't look as dynamic and, and really as explosive as they did last year. 
Um, I just also want to point out um, the Isles have a really tough schedule, so maybe you want to stay away from them. But have you noticed that Patrick Wall is pulling goalies like crazy again? <laughs> I have. Uh, 10 minutes left the other night. Um, it's interesting. Like, it's kind of good. I guess if you're playing them like the Isles and you have a few players playing them in fantasy because yeah, yeah that's empty net goals, chances. Right? Yeah, yeah. So that, that helps a lot, but yeah, 10 seems extreme to me. Like in the Isles in Colorado too, but I'm just thinking like it hurts Elias Sorokin's stats a little bit or whoever goalies in that. Right. Well, they will. It, it, you don't get the 60 minutes. So it just hurts your goals against. Yeah, exactly. And like, you, you, you won't get the goal against you if there's an empty net goal, but yeah, it'll, it'll hurt them for like saves. If they're out of the net, they won't mm. get as many saves. And I think the Isles, like they've actually been scoring a fair bit this year, right? They are. Like, their offense is pretty good. It's right. Their so, and they're blowing leads all the time. And so it's not necessarily the goalies are bad. It's just defensively. They're just not very careful. Exactly. So like, I don't think you need to panic that early and pull a goalie. Like you can rely on your team oh. to try and get you one, you know, <laughs> I think this is Wa being like super ultra aggressive. Yeah. It does seem to me like the aisles are going in the wrong direction here. Like I, I'm actually wondering if in a week or so, like the Eastern conference is just like wrapped up. The like, only reason the aisles are in the playoff race is because of the loser point. Yeah. They've gotten so many overtime yeah. games, but if you look at the standings now, like, Tampa and Detroit are kind of pulling away from yep. like those other teams. Like the Devils, I think we're uh, like five or six points back coming into today of Tampa. There's, you know, like but they, they can make third in the Metro. If yeah, that is Philly. true. That yeah. is true. Philly's there as well. Yeah. Good point. So, but yeah, I think as far as like the wild card goes, I don't see many, like I don't really see Pittsburgh or Washington making a charge. No, not, not Pittsburgh. I, I was just watching this morning. We're recording this Sunday and I'm watching the Pittsburgh Flyers game and holy cow, the pens do not look good. And every single game I've watched them, they don't really look all that good. Um, okay. Before we move on to the mailbag, cause we've got a lot of questions. I just want to get your quick take on these players and their fantasy value because the trade deadline is approaching and maybe yep. this time next week they've been traded already, but Jacob Markstrom to the devils. Oh man. That's, I wrote about this a couple weeks ago. Like I, I almost don't love it for his fantasy <laughs> value. Like if you look at the way the devils are playing and the flames mm-hmm. are playing, um, I, I kind of would prefer he stays on the flames. Like as someone that has Markstrom, mm-hmm. I'm kind of, but, but then at the same time, if you think about it, like if Hannafin and Tanev get traded in a couple weeks, then maybe you would want them on the Devils because they might have a better chance at wins at that point. So I don't know. I think Markstrom is is fine where he is, um, but I think ultimately if the Flames really do sell all those players, you probably want them on like a New Jersey or like an LA. I, I, New Jersey is the only team I've really heard around Markstrom, so we'll see where he goes. Who was supposed to go there until the trade fell through? Apparently, at the last minute last week, right? Yeah, it sounds like it still could happen. It's just you know you never know. But yeah, uh, Noah Hannafin to the Lightning, maybe that would be good for him. Again, yeah. and another guy though, like he's having a great year. I think he hit double digit goals already. Like I said, he popped uh, another one against the Oilers on Saturday. Like again, he's doing pretty well where he is. Like I wonder if he's going to Tampa. Like. He's obviously, you know, not going to be on power play one, um, you know, the lightning. But again, I guess if you're going to Tampa, you've got like the Kucherov factor, you know, mm-hmm. could, could you get some second assists there <laughs> easily? Yeah, well, um, Sergachev's not there anymore, right? So you're automatically yeah. number two behind Hedman. Yeah, I guess I'm just trying to think too, like, logically, how to, like, who does Tampa have to get him? Like, 
they don't really have many draft picks or young players. So I, <laughs> yeah, I, have, a, said, I have a hard time seeing them get them, but we'll see. Yeah, that Tanner you know trade cost him a lot. <laughs> <laughs> they trade like a whole draft for that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the time, I was like, you know what? I guess it kind of makes sense, but it never made sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Just like if you really think Jano is that one player, but mm, no, uh, Jake Gensel and maybe Riley Smith, uh, maybe to Vegas, maybe to Florida. Who knows? Riley Smith, I always feel like is right on the border of being like fantasy relevant. I think mm-hmm. he has to be like the third member of a pretty good line. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd see where he'd slot in. Like, obviously, I think he'd, he'd probably get a bump in both Florida and Vegas. Um, going from Pittsburgh at this point, but Gensel's the most interesting one to me. Um, I almost think it won't help him no matter where he Mm. goes because like he's playing with Crosby, right? Like, yeah. Or he was before he got hurt, but like, where are you going to go? There's not many upgrades from Crosby around the league. Like there's a few, but you know, if he goes to Edmonton or something and plays McDavid, maybe, but I don't think there's that many options for him that he's going to have like a better opportunity to produce points. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, mailbag time. All right. Got a lot of questions. A lot of questions this week. <laughs> but they're all good, so we're yeah. going to answer. Uh, this is from Katahula Kerr. Uh, what's up with the Stars' first line? They've been off by their standards all year, but they've been beyond ice cold the past couple weeks. Hints of three points in this past last 10 games. Robertson was seven points in the last 10, but only two goals. Pravalski only six points with one goal. I think, yeah, I think it's just like Robertson is not having the best year like compared to last year he's not having that like elite season um that's kind of hurting them overall a bit i also think they've been like moving that line around a little bit like wyatt johnson's been up there um for a while like pavelski's dropped back down i think robertson even went down for a couple games uh, a while back um so yeah i don't know it's just one of those things where and i think too maybe one of the other things is i know they're definitely the stars are definitely spreading like the ice time around a bit more this year. It feels like that second line of like Sagan, Marchman, Duchesne has actually been really good this year. They're not just a one line team anymore. So maybe they're not leaning on that line as heavy. Yeah, I agree with the balance lineup thing. I think also because Jason Robertson to me was someone I faded going into the season. I was just wasn't sure if he could replicate that. And when you don't have like an elite goal scorer putting up points, everyone kind of suffers for it. Not to say that Robertson is bad. Um, but I do feel like this is kind of what you expect. He's a really good player, um, just not getting the minutes, not getting the luck from last year. But I still think they're fine as fantasy players. Oh, definitely, yeah. And sometimes we, yeah. you know, some, sometimes like production, you know, doesn't always, you know, when someone gets like to a level, it doesn't mean like they're not going to drop a bit. Like, you know, in, in the question there, like not not all of those players are, you know, performing horribly, just maybe not up to the standards we saw last year. Yeah. Also, Jake Ottinger has kind of struggled this year, which I think kind of hurts things. Um, the Stars are still a good team. It's just uh, sometimes things don't always go to perfection. That's right. All right. Oh, from Kada Hulakur again. Here's the follow-up. Who do you think has the best opportunity in a redrafts points league between hints Mason McTavish or Boone Jenner uh, categories are goals, assists, shots, and blocks. Those are weird four categories, but (laughs) (laughs) blocks is kind of one of these things is not like the other, but it's interesting. I would just probably say hints 
Like, oh, okay, interesting. E- even still, hints based on all those, like it's mostly a points league. I, th- I think he has the most upside. Mm, okay, I was gonna say Mason McTavish, but I think you can go hints. The only one I would not consider at all is Boone Jenner. Yeah, like I, I think because it's redraft, I would say hints. Like if it was keeper, I would probably think mm-hmm. about McTavish more. But mm-hmm. yeah, I could see McTavish. Yeah. Okay. Next question. This is from Fantasy Hockey Fiend. Um, do you prefer to have a streamer spot you can rotate or someone who does just enough to stay on your roster, but they're inconsistent? Guys like Schmaltz or Lafreniere, Ehlers, etc. It feels like the measure of the quantity of a streamer versus the quality of a regular on your roster. So I'm uh, I'm all about rotating that spot. I rarely keep it the same unless somebody really earns it. Like they, mm-hmm. you find somebody off waivers, mm-hmm. um, and they just you know, just they're playing too good that you can't drop them basically. Mm-hmm. But I always base it off like the schedule for that week or the opponents, and I usually am pretty proactive with it. So I'll kind of like Monday morning or Monday afternoon before the game start for that week, I'll, I'll make a roster move. I'll sub that player out for a, another one. Um, typically based on, you know, some of the stuff I was saying about the schedule and stuff like that. So that's kind of the way I do it because I think you end up sometimes holding players too long. If you, if you don't rotate it. I agree. I'm a streamer guy for sure. It kind of depends on your league and roto leagues. Maybe you, you want to stick with the inconsistent guys because in the long run, it kind of, evens it out but in a head-to-head where um you only have seven days to basically win or lose your matchup i think having the streamer spot is really valuable the one one problem i run into and i kind of run into this every year in head-to-head leagues is i'll trade for like one more player and it locks me up i lose that streaming spot and sometimes i wish i had it so if i'm playing if i'm trading and i give up four players but i get five in return I also lose that one roster spot that I feel like could be valuable because sometimes you acquire a player and he goes on, going on goes on a, a cold streak and you kind of want to bench him, but he's too good to be dropped too. So, yeah, I do, and I do think there's also uh, an element of like, and I, I've talked about my week before where there's like a moves limit. So like sometimes yeah, you get into a habit where like you don't necessarily want to make a move for the sake of making a move. So I do still rotate the spot, but I kind of manage out how many moves i'm using throughout the weeks in the season so I'll, I'll know that i i can make you know one move for a streaming spot per week or something like that so just mm-hmm. you can be proactive that i think is the best strategy agreed all right next from lenny carpenter is it time to cut joey decord loose oh no i have <laughs> alex lyon and aiden hill with wool coming back soon um i'm unsure about lion uh but philip grubauer has worried me a little and i don't know if i'm overthinking this but i don't think grubauer can keep it up so um i don't know if i cut any of them i i might keep all four uh if i could but then again that's the most number of goalies i keep um i think anything more than that is kind of overkill that being said i'm probably more okay with cutting lion than than decord interesting i'm so i'm more i prefer no more than three goalies and ideally mm-hmm. two if i can mm-hmm. um i am a little bit uh concerned about decord like lenny is here uh, <laughs> two bad starts in a row and we've Group seen is playing well 
He is. Grubauer is playing playing better, and we know Decord was on a crazy pace of games that was like of starting games in a row that was unsustainable. He's probably wearing down a bit. His numbers were pretty unsustainable. He doesn't have a large sample size, um, and I kind of, we've kind of been through this this year with like Cam Talbot, mm-hmm. uh, Ilya Samsonov. Stuart Skinner, where you're like, okay, it's one bad game. Oh, well, it's two bad games. Then it's like three. <laughs> and then before you know it, like they're in the AHL or something. <laughs> so like I I would almost lean out of those four. I might lean like if Decord has another bad start, I might, I might get rid of Decord because I kind of see it trending and it's and it petrifies me because in like my main league, I have Markstrom and Decord. So like I'm pretty <laughs> much I'm pretty dependent on him at this point. Um, but yeah, I I, I would look at i would give him another game or two um they're playing boston monday night i believe and deport mm-hmm. had a really yeah. good game against boston last time mm-hmm. um and and like you know we should say too it's only been two bad starts like he's been pretty good otherwise so hopefully it's just a couple of tough games and maybe gets back yeah i would add too though that um what was i gonna say i totally just blank but <laughs> great stuff jason um yeah and i think the thing with the kraken like are they going to be sellers are they going to fade down the stretch here too and it's gonna because they were playing pretty good in front of the court as well so i wonder if that's going to be a factor yeah okay so i was just going to say so it's sunday james reimer starting against the blackhawks he's coming off a 38 save shutout against the flames so if reimer plays well i'd be a little more concerned about lion as well but definitely i agree it's the court and lion who are the ones you want to cut loose and it just depends on on how they play in the in the coming weeks before roll comes back yeah uh next question this is for oh this is from rogie's point uh thoughts on brock faber hoping to make the playoffs weeks 23 to 25 would you consider a hold or a drop so i would hold him i know people are concerned um i think it's is it week 24 that the wild play only twice i think there's yes. one one playoff week where they only play twice i know some people Correct. were concerned about that um i would be I, yeah i know someone asked me about eric Sinek like that too um no like i i'm a little concerned about it but it depends on the player right like yeah. to me eric's like someone like eric Sinek, for example like two of his games are worth like three or four of a lot of other players to me so like i wouldn't be concerned there faber he's been pretty good this year i think you could maybe look, depending on how deep your league is and who's on waivers, maybe you could look at making a move there. But sometimes I, I think too, like we get too fixated on one playoff week. Cause first of all, you got to win the first week, right? Like if you're in a head to head. So, you know, if the wild have a decent schedule, I don't know it offhand, but you know, if they have a decent schedule there, then you might want to keep them. And then, cause if you don't make it to week 24, what does it really matter? And then I know the wild have four games uh, in the 25th week. So if you can get through it, then he'll be pretty valuable there. So I think it just depends really on who's, wa- uh, who's on waivers in that league. I agree with you there. Although I'd be, I'd consider dropping him just because of that two game week. But as an aside, I've gotten a lot of fantasy playoff questions as well. Um, how far ahead personally do you look? Because I don't look that far ahead. I'm always usually more concentrated on winning the current week I'm in. Me neither. I was I was gonna ask I was gonna ask you that too. Like I'm I've had some crazy questions. I remember like I think it was last year, uh somebody asked me uh 
like in December, should they drop like Rasmus Dahlin for like I think it was, I don't remember who the play who the other defenseman was, but it was because Dahlin had like one less game in the in the playoff schedule, and then the yeah. way <laughs> was way below Dahlin. And I'm just like, no, for the love of God. yeah, like one like, game's honestly not going to make that big of a difference. Yeah, you can't look at it, especially that far ahead. You always have to get there too, and if you're fighting. Yeah. Like, I know in my league, and you mentioned your league, you're trying to get the second. Like, in my league, I'm trying to get into the top three. Um, you have to kind of weigh that out. And so much can change, too, right? Yeah, like, agreed. you can drop somebody now for a player, and the, and the player you add could be hurt by the time. You know, if anything, I would recommend saving a, a waiver wire add or two for the, the end of that final week before the playoffs and then really look at it more closely and, and see, you know, who the best schedule. Especially, you know... It, the trade deadline complicates it too yeah. because you might be like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, swap these two players out and then somebody gets moved and it really hurts one of the values. So it, it's, it's almost too early still for me. Yeah. So if you're asking about week 25 and week 20, when we haven't even gotten to week 20, <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, mm, let's hold off a bit here. But uh, I just lean no, just based on games played. But yeah. uh, let me ask you, does, doesn't Brock Faber remind you a lot of Miro Haskinen really great in real life. Not so great in fantasy. Plays a ton of minutes, plays PP1, but if you watch the wild power play, it the plays don't really run through him. He's not like an elite uh power play quarterback, like like you think he would be. A little bit, but I will say, like, he's still pretty young. So like I'm gonna reserve mm-hmm. my judgment for another year or two. But yeah, I do I don't think the wild are one of those teams that, you know, have that top-notch power play that he's gonna really mm-hmm. benefit from. But I do think he has a pretty good chance to win the Calder this year. Um, he's a pretty good player. So I would like to see another year or two uh, from him before I see what sort of trajectory he's going. But yeah, he does have that skill set where like he could just be a really great player in real life and not so much in fantasy. Yeah. All right. This one is from CSG. Should I keep the Caulfield Slavkowski stack alive or has the insane uh, Slavkowski run finally ended? Uh, I think it's ended, <laughs> but <laughs> but that's that's not so to say bad. that that it won't like pick up again because he's getting excellent usage. It's just with these young players, they're always like hot and cold, right? So the usage is pretty is pretty good. I'll I'll, I'll give Slavkovsky that. I think he'll probably score some more points. I don't know if he's going to go on the same tear as he did. And I have to say, the Habs their schedule is pretty hard the rest of the way. They play Toronto, Carolina, and Florida twice for the rest of the season, and they still have one game each against the Rangers and the Bruins. I think that's going to be really hard. Yeah, I mean, I will I will say, like, he, he was pretty good. Like, Sofkowski was pretty good for more than a month, and he's he's had, a, like, two or three quiet games here. So I kind of think, like, it might be a slight overreaction. But at the same time, yeah, like, I see what you're saying. He's not a guy that, like we know as a bonafide consistent producer. So he mm-hmm. could easily go on a stretch with, with like really minimal production. But at the same time, I always kind of try to balance. Like if a player's hot for like four games and they're cool for four games, you kind of get a sense that they're pretty streaky, but he showed a lot of consistency for a pretty good chunk of the season. And he, like you said, he's still getting good usage. So I might keep him, you know, for another couple games and just see like if it, you know, I don't, I don't think hurting, like, sorry, keeping him for another couple of games is going to hurt you that much just to see if he could get it back on track. Fair enough. I think I'm just more quick and aggressive in pulling the trigger. You're more negative. I used, I used to be the, neg- <laughs> I, I used to be the negative one on this podcast. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 
we did talk about early in the season though uh nick suzuki and sam bennett do you remember that we did yeah nick suzuki's been really good this year he has he has yeah. he's i i can't believe i was looking at it the other day he was only like 72 percent rostered i, I i'm yeah i know right more rostered yeah i i think he's a great he's a great player got a really great skill set obviously picked up a lot of points during slavkovsky and uh his hot run but um if you're streaming though i don't know i i wouldn't i don't think you're losing a whole lot if you cut slavkovsky and stream someone else and then maybe pick him up again when he's hot but anyway that's just me uh, next question. This is from Alan Solomon. Uh, <laughs> this one's an interesting. He says, uh, how do you feel about Laferriere and Novak, two guys who are borderline keepers? We keep 35 players. Thank you and good weekend. So, <laughs> wow. I don't think I've ever had a question involving Alex Laferriere and Tommy Novak. Well, uh, and also, do you keep 35 players per roster? Like, how big is your league? I've seen, or a, how couple, small? I've seen a, keep, uh, a couple of leagues like that where it's basically like you keep your roster from year to year. But like 35 players on a roster, though? And that's what I'm saying. Unless there's like minor league players involved here. Like, like is this like a six-team league or like? Yeah, I don't know how that? the – yeah, like it seems like these guys – or would be like right on the fringe, I guess, if you're keeping 35 players. But I don't know. Like, I think Novak is pretty good. He um, might get traded too. Yeah, he might. So, like, I, I kind of like Novak. I would probably uh, keep him if I was choosing. I think I think we definitely need like more context with this question. <laughs> I, know. I, I saw this and I was like, you keep 35 players for, per league or per team? And I was, it was yeah. hard to wrap my mind around. Alex Laferia plays up in the lineup, but he's a meat and potatoes guy. I don't see him being like a big fantasy asset um, just because I don't see the goal scoring there. But Tommy Novak, it interests me. He was a, he was a top scorer in college and, and just kind of had a down season. All the Preds' young players, like even Parsonin, uh, Evangelista, all had kind of down seasons except for the old guy top line, which is I, I know. And I was going to say that. I, I think that actually – kind of hurt Novak like I I in the preseason I thought Novak might end up centering that top line because mm-hmm. um, I thought O'Reilly was going to kind of fade into more of like a, a checker but he's had like a crazy bounce back year so that really hurt Novak this year I think a trade might help Novak yeah agreed all right well this one's a, a doozy three questions in one here from Phil P12 uh, it is first question is in a points-only league, would you rather have Darlene and Shane Pinto or Kaprizov until the end of the regular season? Kaprizov. Yes, 100% Kaprizov. <laughs> I always I always take the best player in any kind of choice yeah. or trade, and it's by far Kaprizov, especially with the way that line's been playing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Pinto and Darlene are, are not going to cut it there. Um, second part of that question is classify Pinto, Kurashev, Chin- Chinnikov, Slavkovsky in order from Best to worst points only again. Um, I I don't think. Okay, I'll, I'll have to say Kurashev first of all is by far the best of that group, and then the rest I, I kind of they're kind of lumped together. But I go Kurashev, Pinto, Chinnikov, and Slavkovsky are tied. Yeah, I would flip Pin. I'd have Pinto ahead of Kurashev, just not because mm-hmm. like I just think his for this season I think he might have more production because um, the Hawks are kind of. I, I know Kershaw's playing with Bedard, but. Um, I think Pinto might be a bit better there, but yeah, like I, I, I look at those four players and I, like nobody jumps out to me as like an obvious pick out of the four. The so. the best part about Pinto is that he's playing power play one right now. Yeah, and I think you know the Sens do have a lot of talent in that in that top six. So, 
Uh, last part of this question is any cheap AAV player not listed uh, to suggest to pick up? So, so I, I, I kind of need more context. Here. Yeah, but but there's quite a few. Uh, JT Comfer, I feel like is underrated. He's he's playing a lot. If Joel Eriksson-Eck is out for uh, like any amount of time, I think Ryan Hartman is going to step up. He's probably going to be one of their top guys. Bobby McMahon, we talked about. Yeah, Bobby He's McMahon. Money, yeah. yeah, yeah. Morgan Frost is getting minutes under Tortorella. He's good if he gets getting those minutes. Uh, Dylan Gunther for shots is a really great cheap option too. Yep. Connor Zary, if he's playing top six, is a great one. Um, and uh, Mikhail Granlin. I know the Sharks are, are not, you know, a hot fantasy team, but I, I do feel like he should be putting up the points because no one else on that team will. And he's playing 23 minutes a night, so. Yep, all good options. Next question. This is from TRT Bobby. Chances Lindy Ruff will ever get fired so Timo time can turn it around. Oh, man. I, I feel like the hashtag fire Lindy, I just see that permanently embedded on wow. my You can hear it when they in the Devils games, too. Yeah, it, it actually feels like he could maybe. Like, I don't know if they'd fire him at this point of the year because it feels yeah, like they're too far down the road here, but it feels like. He could go and like Travis Green is there, right? As the assistant coach, I was gonna mention that. If, so if they fire good. Rough, it's it, it might be Green who comes in. Yeah, and like he did a fine job with Vancouver playing like a run and gun system. Um, it kind of faded at the end. I, I just I don't know if that's the best solution for the Devils. Their like, their their problem isn't like lack of scoring talent, really. Well, I was gonna ask you, like, like how much do you think Rough? has to do with kind of what's going on there. Like I look at, I look at it as, so he, so the, the question talked about Timo Meyer. Like I feel like Meyer has had some chances up in the lineup. He's been pushed up when guys have been hurt and he still really hasn't done much. Like I look at a lot of their issues as number one, like goaltending, they really haven't gotten mm-hmm. saves this year. Number two, like Dougie Hamilton's been hurt. Um, that's been a huge problem. Like Jack Hughes has been injured. They've had a lot of injuries and yeah, I think some of their players aren't just performing up to standards. I don't really look at the, the lineup and and or the deployment a lot of the time and say like what is rough thinking there like i don't know i i just really don't see it as a lot on him also going back to the question i don't think firing lindy ruff will means timo Maier will suddenly turn it around no, no i i just think it's a bit of a lost season for him i'd rather yeah. just look forward to timo next season um lindy ruff there's a chance he starts the se- next season as the devil's coach i just don't think the leash will be very long um, but we shall see. I think you're right. I think injuries, um, a lot of the changing lineup, the defense, the goaltending has really affected everyone. Yeah. All right. Next question from Jerry. How many players on one team would you say is too many? I have four Panthers uh, on a 20 player roster, but it includes the Panthers goalie tandem. I don't think uh, you can have too many players from one team unless that team is bad. Obviously, you don't want your entire team to be comprised of one player from from run or players from one team. But if you have four uh, Panthers on a roster of 20, three players because you have or two players since you have the tandem, I don't think that's a big deal. I think that's actually kind of a good thing. The only time you might run into trouble is they play if they play two games that week or even less yeah. than that. But for the rest of the way, I think the Panthers play three games every week from now to the end of the season. Yeah, I was going to say the only time is if you're in a playoff scenario and, yeah, they have a light schedule yeah. or a really tough schedule, maybe um, it could yeah. be a problem. But I think here, 
because it's two skaters and two goalies and the goaltending there has been really good for most of the year um especially like Stellars has been like a revelation there yeah. as the as the backup but yeah I, I think it's less of an issue um yeah, I think as long as the schedule is fine. Um, I think if you're getting into like three and four or five skaters from a team, it could be tricky sometimes. Um, but I think I think in this scenario, it's not really a problem. It depends on the team, right? Like if you have Quinn Hughes, Patterson, Miller, and Besser on team, you're, you're laughing all the way yeah. to the bank, right? So, uh, of course. Yeah, you, you just don't want to be stuck with like Granlund, Zetterlund, and like no. Duclair, you know? Like yeah. sometimes having the stack is fun. Like at the beginning of the season, uh, I traded for Timo Meyer because I had Jack Hughes, and I figured, hey, if they play together, great. If they don't, I still get exposure to two lines that could potentially be really good. Well, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> Hughes has been hurt. Meyer's not doing anything. Yeah, I dumped Myers, uh, and then I traded Jack Hughes because uh, I was done with the doubles. So it can't hurt you, but at this time of the year, uh, at this point, I think there's nothing wrong with having multiple Panthers on your roster. Uh, this one is from Habibi. Pick one to keep in a bangers cats league. Uh, Evan Bouchard, Joel Erickson, Vincent Trocek, Tage Thompson, or Tim Stutzla. Uh, other two keepers are JT Miller and Miko Rantanen. Categories are goals, assists, points, power play points, plus minus, uh, penalty minutes, face off wins, shots on goal, hits, and blocks. Wow. Uh, so my answer is obviously Joel Erickson, the, the greatest, <laughs> the greatest fantasy player of all time. I feel like you submitted <laughs> this question yourself. <laughs> yeah, under an alter ego. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, to me, if you have JT Miller and Joel Erickson Eck, you are set at center for banger leagues. Yeah, like the, the, the face-off wins is a big one. Like there's, I, you can make arguments. Like Trocheck, I feel like is not that far off from. No, Erickson but he's Eck. a tier below. I yeah, think. just just slightly. Obviously, like. I think like uh, if you need positional help, like on D, you could consider Bouchard just from a points perspective. Like he's probably pretty valuable. Depends um, on which other D are being kept, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, exactly. or that you suspect are being kept by other teams. Stutzla too, I think is an argument for. But the, the, I think the biggest difference between Erickson Eck this year is like he's always been okay offensively, but now he feels like a seventy-five to eighty-point player, which makes yeah. him like just puts him on another level. Plus elite shot volume. And elite yeah. hits, which puts him ahead of Tage and Stutzlis. Tage and, and Tage your right? yeah, and Tage your bounce your or Tage your counting on a bounce back season next year. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm with you. I have Joel Erickson Ekin on all my teams, and he's been fantastic. Yeah. All right. Next question. Long time gone. Thank you for this. Uh, what's the story with Jack Eichel in Vegas? Wish I knew because he's been sitting on my IR for a while now. Um, it sounds like he's... He's soon. He's back soon. It sounds like he's back soon. Um, I definitely do get worried at this time of year with Vegas and, like, them holding guys out because of the deadline and, like, acquire, like Mark Stone. I would be kind of surprised if we see Mark Stone before the playoffs. It feels like that's a perfect opportunity for Vegas to trade for, like, Jake Gensel or something. Yeah. The deadline is... And add him in. So... I, the... There's a lot of jokes about LTIR shenanigans, and I think they're warranted just because Vegas is Vegas. <laughs> I know. Like, that would be my only concern about Eichel at this point is they do think about something like that. But it sounds like – I think the last I heard was he's maybe like a week or two away. I heard yeah. like late February, early March. So yeah, that's so, a good sign for the fantasy playoffs. He should be back by then. So I think – 
the original prognosis four to six weeks when he had the surgery in yeah. mid-January. Uh, right now, he's basically entering his sixth week. Yeah. Um, but I feel like he's probably going to return a bit later. Uh, I think it was Bruce Cassidy who said early March or mid-March. But he does expect Eichel to return uh, before the end of the season. Uh, odds are probably not going to get a lot of games out of Eichel because he's got to get up to speed. He's missed a lot of time. But if you have Eichel on IR and you're in your fantasy playoffs, I mean, that is, is as good as an acquisition as any, even though there's some risk there. Yeah, I think the one... The one thing we might want to point out is like the the Marsha Show uh Wah. Wah and uh Barbershev line has been really good. So I'm kinda of interested to see what they do when Michael comes back. Um mm-hmm. how they kind of go with the lines there. But yeah. I would think Stevenson moves back to the wing, you know. Probably. But I mean Eichel was typically playing with Marsha Show, right? And, mm-hmm. and at times, so we'll see. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm sure they would. I, I think they've cooled down a bit that line, so I don't think they'd have. Actually, Vegas has kind of struggled. And yeah. uh, I, don't, I don't know if you heard this, but Cassidy was saying that without Stone and Eichel, um, they're basically going to have to play better defensive hockey, which scares me because <laughs> that means less goals, right? Less offense. Yeah. And so if you're streaming Stevenson and Raw and even Carlson, I'd be a little bit concerned. Yeah, they, they definitely look like they're fading. Like the, I, I watched the the Leafs play them this week, and they did mm-hmm. they did not look good at all. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. So that's all for the questions. Thank you for sending them in. And as always, we finish every episode with our sleeper and keeper picks of the week. All right, for mine, I am going with uh, Jack Roslovic as my sleeper. I feel like I get convinced. Uh, into adding Roslovic like one week every se- every year, and I regret it. Um, and he's got me again. I think he's got five points in five games, not, not including line. today's game. Yeah, he's on the top line. He's getting big minutes. He's had uh, two of those five games. He's had six shots, so he's done uh, pretty well there. I would maybe take a chance on him and uh, just kind of see what develops. So that top line's looking pretty good. Uh, Boone Jenner and uh, Goudreau with him there. So I'm sure uh, in a couple weeks I, I won't be – having Jack Rossovic on my roster, but <laughs> right now I'm going to see if I can catch uh, lightning in a bottle a little bit. And uh, my keeper, I'm going with Max Pacioretty. Uh, mm. Points in three of his last four games. Washington has a really good schedule, four games next week with a few games uh, on uh, off nights. And his name's kind of been out there in trade rumors. So I wonder if he maybe gets moved to a contender and gets a wing, wing spot on the top six somewhere, maybe helps him. Roslovic is one of those guys who like one one year a week or uh one week every year he I know. plays like top line center or top yeah. line right wing and you're like oh well, maybe he's gonna realize his potential but no and he and he and he always like stumbles into things for me so like I needed a guy <laughs> yeah. I needed I needed a guy this week that played Friday Sunday and it was Roslovic and I looked at all the other stuff I'm like well I guess I'm doing it again here we go so we'll see. Uh, my sleeper of the week, uh, I feel like I've been saying his name a lot, but Dylan Strom is just still like, for some reason, under-rostered in a lot of leagues. Uh, line one, power play one. Uh, plays with Ovechkin quite a bit. Also plays with Tom Wilson quite a bit. Depends on what Carberry does with the lines, but I think he's been pretty productive. And um, I feel like he's, I think he's rostered less than 30% of Yahoo League. So I feel like... If he's not a sleeper, then he's a keeper as well. I couldn't decide if he was a sleeper or a keeper. But it doesn't seem like he's getting the attention he deserves. Um, my keeper is Mason McTavish. 
Um, kind of fell off the fantasy radar a bit uh, when he got hurt. And the Ducks aren't good. I know that. But I think going forward for the rest of the season, uh, playing with Troy Terry, who is really underrated in fantasy hockey, and just going for going forward for multiple seasons, I think Mason McTavish is fantastic. Yeah, I like McTavish a lot. Um, be, like beyond this year for sure. I think he's going to be like the next multi cat, like great fantasy player. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. That's true. All right. So uh, with the tread deadline two weeks away, I think we're going to have more news next week. But thank you for your questions. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and like and leave a comment. And you can send our the questions to uh, me or Mike on Twitter slash X at JasonChen16 or at Amato underscore Mike. Uh, That's it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next time.